All right, our, uh, our first scripture reading this morning is from the chapter of Acts, the Apostles, found on page 120 of the New Testament of your Bible, Acts 9, verses 36 to 43. Peter is in Lydia and Joppa. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which, is Greek is, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. 37, sorry, at the time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydia was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with a request. Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with him, and when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the windows, all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word.
Thank you, choir. That was beautiful. If you find yourself wanting to sing along with the choir, guess what? You can. Let Jason know your interest. Thursday nights, they rehearse, and then they make music that beautiful on Sunday. I think you want to be a part of it. Gospel of John, 10th chapter, beginning with verse 22. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you didn't believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe, because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Uh, join your hearts with me in prayer. In the stillness of this time together, O Lord, may your voice be heard, perhaps in our hearts, perhaps somewhere in our gut, in our thoughts. May the voice that we take home be yours alone, because you have the words of eternal life, and you by your Spirit will speak to us what we need to hear, to glorify our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, once again, Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Today we recognize and celebrate every, everyone who has had a mother. Does that include everyone who's had a mother? If you had a mother, then we celebrate that fact today. To my knowledge, none of you were hatched. This is my second white carnation mother's day do you remember the carnation thing you got a pink carnation if your mom was living and you got a white carnation if your mother had passed away this is my second white carnation mother's day in my first church we had a tradition of giving out carnations as people entered and we always had to make sure that we had enough of each. You know, pink carnation if your mother was living and a white carnation if your mother had passed away. But that wasn't where the carnival of craziness ended. Oh, no, 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 no. We had a bunch of other carnations of multiple colors. And we'd have all the mothers stand, at least all the ones who admitted or wanted to own the fact that they were mothers. And then we would give prizes as they would sit down, various flowers, depending upon where they came in. One Sunday I came in, it was the second time that we had done this, and I said, I want all the mothers to stand. And Betty, who I knew to be a mother, just sat there with her arms crossed over her chest. And I said, Betty, you're a mother, you have a couple of kids. She said, not that they would call me. I'm not going to admit I'm a mother when I clearly just raised a couple of jerks. I knew the morning was not going to go well. We had a flower for the mother who had traveled the farthest. 
the oldest mother, the mother that had the most grandchildren and the most great-grandchildren. Unfortunately, we didn't think that through. It turned out to be the same person for every one of those prizes. <laughs> we had flowers for the mother who had the most children. And guess what? Every year it was always the same one because nobody went beyond Cecile's record of eight she was the one that came up to me after church at one point and said, please don't do that anymore. The fact that I have eight children is not always a source of joy for me. And besides, the fact that I had a whole bunch of kids is not necessarily something that we want to reward and celebrate. So two years into my pastorate, the following Mother's Day, we offered no flowers. The ushers were not very happy with me. Except when I got to the announcement portion at the beginning of the worship service and said, we are not doing Mother's Day flowers this year, there was spontaneous applause by most of the women in the congregation. And so we didn't bring the tradition back. Over the years, I have had women tell me that Mother's Day made them so uncomfortable they just avoid going to church on Mother's Day. It was too hard. For some, they'd always wanted to be a mother, but circumstance or situation meant they never did, and they weren't sure what to do with the ambivalence of everybody else saying, Happy Mother's Day. Others had feelings regarding their own mothers uh, that made them feel just awkward. And so they didn't want to come and celebrate Mother's Day because it churned up a lot of the ambivalent concern in their own hearts. Still, some other mothers had become mothers biologically, but social circumstance had made it impossible for them to raise their own children, and Mother's Day would come, and we'd make a big deal of the mothers, and they would choose not to mention the fact that they had experienced loss. Did you know that uh, Mother's Day was originally a religious holiday? <laughs> Every holiday used to be a religious holiday, right? <laughs> it was originally a religious holiday. It comes from... As early as the 8th century A.D., it was Mother's Sunday or Mothering Sunday and was celebrated on the last Sunday of Lent. Again, a springtime festival, but you'd get to the fourth Sunday of Lent and it was called Mothering Sunday. But it was not Mothering Sunday necessarily in the way that you or I think of Mother's Day. It was a fixation on the church. That was the Sunday that you were to go to your mother church, the church where you had been baptized. You would return, almost like a homecoming, on the fourth Sunday of Lent to the church of your childhood. Now in the uh, 18th and 19th centuries in England, it became a tradition that the wealthy families who had lots of servants in their homes would allow the servants to go home on Mothering Sunday. And so they'd go back to their villages and towns and celebrate the Lenten season with their own families. This permitted then the wealthy families to make sure that their help was there on Easter because we gave you last Sunday off and we need you here on Easter. And it became a lot like Boxing Day is uh, after Christmas. It would be the day after so that the servants could celebrate the holidays with their own families in their own homes. Mothering Sunday. The connotation, I would suggest, that the mother church is one that we have in some ways lost, and I'm not sure if that's good or bad. It raises a different question on Mother's Day, somehow connecting the notion of mothering and churching. 
How well do we mother one another? And how well do we receive mothering as part of our community of faith? Now, forests of paper have been consumed writing about mothers in some ways sincere, in some ways saccharine, in some ways surly. Every therapist, every counselor, every pastor is aware that mothers have been accused of causing every kind of psychoses and pathology. We speak about mommy issues, and the literature has obviously been written by fathers that are trying to get themselves off the hook. You know, that problem is probably caused by a bad relationship with your mother, says the father who quietly slips out the room while you reflect on that observation. But it's my contention that the capacity to mother is an activity that should be shared by the whole community. The strengths or failures at any given moment or any uh, duration of any one parent should not be sufficient to make or break a child raised in a healthy community of faith. And while I do like the term Mother Church, it gives that connotation. It also carries with it some of its own baggage that I'm not interested in carrying. The term Mother Church was intended to be paired with Father God, but all too often Mother Church was matched up with the notion of Father State in order that this arranged marriage between church and state would always keep the wife under the thumb of the husband. And that connotation then of gender differentiation and responsibility carries with it its own baggage. But regardless of ecclesiology or politics, Mother's Day does give us an opportunity for reflection, for renewal, for reformation of our relationships. Do we as a community of faith, provide healthy mothering in our relationships? Do we mother one another in the sense of giving nurture and encouragement and welcome and love with the unconditional grace of a good mother? Thinking back to the early church, Luke recalled a story about a woman who was every mother, everyone's mother, in the first Christian church of Joppa. Her name was Tabitha. Luke thinks it's important for his readers to know that Tabitha, translated into Greek, is Dorcas, which doesn't help us because we have no idea what Tabitha or Dorcas means, and so we need to translate it one more time into English, and that is translated as gazelle. Tabitha, Dorcas, gazelle. Now, in our own heads, when you call someone gazelle, we think about the beauty of movement and lithe legs running across the forest, a beautiful gazelle, a track star, a gymnast. Um, In the ancient world, unfortunately, it's one more set of translations. Gazelles also have really beautiful eyes. And so if someone was named Tabitha or named gazelle, it was because there was a mesmerizing quality to looking into their eyes who suddenly felt very soft and very comforted and very welcome. We don't think much about the eyes of the gazelle probably because we've not seen many of them eye to eye, but in the ancient world evidently that was part of their understood beauty. And so Luke remembers that the name was important because there was something about Tabitha's eyes that set everyone 
at ease. Now, she was an amazing woman, which Luke sums up in the very first verse of the passage that Lance just read, verse 36. Luke says, there was a disciple in Joppa named Tabitha. What? I thought all the disciples were men. That's interesting. So evidently, Tabitha was a disciple, and clearly not a man. Anyway, Luke goes on, she was always doing good and helping the poor. One quick sentence about an amazing woman. Luke tells the story because the church in Joppa was coming apart at the seams, both figuratively and literally, because Tabitha had died. Luke tells the story of Peter being contacted in Lydda, which was a town only about 10 miles away. And they ran to get Peter because they didn't know what to do because this would have been the first funeral for the first Christian church of Joppa. And they needed some help. They'd never buried anyone before. Planning a funeral in his head, I'm sure Peter takes the 10-mile trip up to Joppa right away. And when he enters the funeral home, he's crushed by a crowd of heartbroken, weeping people. Tabitha was a seamstress who'd made clothes and coats and blankets and booties and shawls and dresses and tote bags. Everybody seemed to have something that Tabitha had sewn with her own hands and had gifted them with their needs in mind. The community was not going to be the same. Tabitha was everybody's mother, and now she was gone. Peter asked for a few moments alone with the body. Luke wasn't in the room. He received the story secondhand, and so we don't know the content of Peter's prayer. But Tabitha had been a disciple, and so consequently it's pretty sure that Peter had known her personally. And he also thought that the first church of Joppa wasn't going to survive without her. Clearly God agreed, because while Peter is praying, everybody's mother opened her beautiful eyes and sat up. What if every sheep who entered our fold knew they were loved? What if every mother trembling with feelings of inadequacy or exhaustion came into our community and there, after the encouragement and demonstration from others, left more confident that their children would be okay? And so would they. What if the tenderness of a loving shepherd we treated one another with nurture and with safety and with grace? Peter knew the fledgling church at Joppa was not going to make it until Tabitha's ministry was passed on to others. She'd been a disciple, and the church needed her to pass that wondrous love and grace and care and mothering like they mattered. Sheep knows their shepherd's voice, said Jesus in our gospel lesson. Like, you know, your mother's voice. I just wanted to hear your voice begins most Mother's Day calls. The highest call volume day of the year, by the way. Just a mother's voice. Yeah, this is my, my second white carnation Mother's Day. There won't be a call. There's no voice to share. But I am so very grateful that my mother shared with me and with many, many, many others what it means to be valued and graceful and loved. Beautiful eyes. 
eyes that passed on the faith that she held to so dearly, knowing that that faith was only meaningful insofar as it was passed forward to others who needed. I don't particularly want you to have to think about biology or sociology or family dysfunction today. I want you to think about the places where you've been looked in your eyes and you have felt accepted and nurtured and strengthened and loved. And I want, to th- and I want you to think about the need of the church to be able to mother those who are yet to come. Tabitha had to be brought back from the dead. The church was pretty new and they weren't good at it yet. But eventually she did die again, and I think the Joppa Church learned in the meantime how it was they could take her ministry of sowing, of embrace, of compassion, and pass it forward. What if we just set aside all of the misogynistic and masculine metaphors, and for more than just one day we imagine the wonder, the strength, the power of being a mother church. Trust me, we'd come alive. Amen.